0: Welcome into the Husker 24-7 podcast. I am Mike Schaefer, joined by Brian Christopherson, Michael Brunts. Gentlemen, Nebraska changed hemispheres to fix its special teams problems. Your thoughts seem drastic to you at all, Brian Christopherson?
1: Uh, no, uh, special teams needed fixing, and when you need fixing, you go to uh, Australia. I, I, I think it's uh, a fine remedy.
0: Bruntz, have you ever watched Aussie Rules football? You're the resident weird sports watcher of this group.
2: All the time. And uh, the ball, the ball, I believe, and I, I believe it's science that proves this, the ball travels the opposite direction in Australia. So I'm curious to see how he's going to adjust to American football.
1: <laughs> You're worried he's going to kick it the wrong way? <laughs>
2: Just. Just spins backwards.
1: Nebraska is going to rack up safeties on itself. The first five punts of his career.
2: <laughs> so just start turning him <laughs> around. Yeah.
0: <laughs> just uh, as long as he can avoid that nine yard punt, he'll be safe from the, the scorn <laughs> of the fans.
2: You don't have to be from Australia to do those. Let me tell you. Yeah. Uh, it, it's intriguing for a couple of reasons. Um, one, because his
0: name, Daniel Cerny, you okay. uh, know, his name, he's not just Australian punter, uh, but that might be how we refer to him as, but he doesn't have an actual name. His name is Daniel Cerny. Okay. Go Brooks.
2: Well, it, it's, it's interesting because he's, he's eligible immediately. He's a scholarship player and Nebraska, uh, because of how many players they've taken in the 2020s uh segment, um, had two open scholarships, and now they have one. And I guess I'll ask Schaefer, you first. What does that tell you about, A, what Nebraska has seen so far in the portal, uh, and, B, what their perception of need is at this point?
0: It it tells me that they probably haven't locked in or found uh, too many people that they're excited about yet in the transfer portal or their mutual interest in that kind of thing. It also means that they probably feel better about their depth situations at some positions and maybe what us pundits or fans might feel in, uh, in some spots. I do think that, you know, the remaining spot is earmarked for a wide receiver, who that wide receiver is or where he's from or the, the actual talent level of that wide receiver remains to be seen. But I, I think that uh, they didn't go into this decision lightly. I mean, you only have those two spots. We saw last year where they took Travis Vocal as one, and and they, they certainly are going to do their, their due diligence and their research to figure out if they can get guys that are actually going to be able to help them out rather than just throwing those out to anybody. Uh, and so I, I think they view this punter as a, a really big addition to their special teams. I mean, we joke because it's a punter, but Nebraska's special teams have been an issue. And this is a guy that they like more than the in-house options. And that includes a number of guys they brought in as walk-ons or plan to bring in as walk-ons. And so the fact that they're allocating a scholarship and that they're choosing to go this route means that this guy must have some level of talent beyond what they're expecting to either bring in or already have in-house.
1: This feels like the first real big move um, where you could say it's directly attached to Jonathan Rutledge uh, being the special teams analyst. And uh, if you look at his track record, he's been around really good punters. I mean, the the kid at Auburn that he had uh, left early for the draft. Uh, He was with a Ray Guy semifinalist at Missouri in his previous stop. So he's used to having guys who uh, have pretty – can boom it and uh, can get some hang time. And, you know, I, I don't know if he knows exactly what he has in-house yet, but as Schaefer was kind of getting to, it, it, it tells you they, they didn't quite think they had that answer yet. You know, even, even with all those numbers, they had William Pristup who was brought in and did some kickoff work last year, and he came from Michigan State and then you have uh, Tyler Crawford, I guess, could be a kicker slash punter. Uh, Sammy Cowjo was a guy from IMG Academy, who I still think is planning on coming, last I know, um, to the roster whenever football resumes, Uh, but when you go out and hand a guy a scholarship, you're kind of announcing him as the favorite, and so it's big. Uh, Last year, if you look at the numbers, Nebraska was 86 nationally in punting distance uh, in the FBS, so they weren't getting a a lot of length out of their punts. Isaac Armstrong did do a good job pinning people, and Nebraska's net punting uh, ranking was actually like 42nd, so it wasn't terrible. They actually covered punts pretty well, um, but uh, they do need to get some more distance. And this guy, I think, is what they hope brings it.
2: It's also, I think, a little bit of you know, you you look at what Nebraska has done the last couple of years and the the way that they've played. In close games, they've been in a lot of close games. They've lost a lot of close games, and I think when you really dig in and start looking at places where Nebraska maybe not can get an edge, but at least can help itself is in in the field position game. I mean that that's such a big piece of it, and you know Nebraska last year, you know aside from a couple games, really, frankly, lost the field position battle. Um, you know, part of that is definitely the punting part of it. it's the fact that you you didn't have a guy that could really get it into the end zone consistently uh, as a kicker um you know you, you look at the the special teams units you, you could potentially have you're, you're definitely going to have a different kicker you're, you're probably going to have a different punter you are uh you know the, the coverage units I think are going to be different too, just because I think you're going to have a lot of younger guys that can step in and play those roles. I mean, when you factor all those things with the fact that your special teams coordinator has gone, the GA that was helping out on special teams coordination uh, is gone and you've hired this, this, or a, a new analyst to come in and do it. I mean, I think Nebraska really has acknowledged the fact that they had to get better there. And I think they've, you know at least it seems like they are, are not uh you know messing around with with wanting to get better on special teams
1: there's there's three positions that always get joked about um long snapper kicker and punter but if if a, if all of those aren't at least solid you're gonna lose one game because of it and sometimes you're gonna lose multiple games and so uh I have always thought if you really believe in somebody and you did your research, a scholarship to that type of player is completely worth it to me Um, if he's going to uh, help you get to sleep at night. And uh, I don't think Nebraska coaches were sleeping very well last fall with a lot of their kicking operation. And... Giving a guy a scholarship is also no guarantee that he's going to come in and be dynamite. We've seen that before. And, uh, you know, Caleb Lightborn was thrown into kind of a tough situation uh, when he was put on scholarship because he was going to redshirt that first year and then there was a tragedy and he had to kick earlier than thought. But it didn't end up working out for him as he hoped. And Barrett Pickering obviously started strong, but it didn't end up working out for him as hoped. So this is no guarantee that you've solved the problem by any means and the competition should still be open. Uh, but I can understand why um, why you do give out a scholarship if you feel like you put in your due diligence and you feel like this guy, he solidifies this, and now I don't have to worry about that. That's one less thing to worry about. That's a good thing.
0: I find myself now curious because I, I think it was Noah Vedrill last year. Who is going to be the holder for Nebraska? Or who had been doing it? Was it Isaac Armstrong and Noah Vedrill? Do they have to find a new holder now? Could the Australian guy uh, add this to his duties?
1: Yeah, I mean, Bronx, you, who's the holder?
2: It was. It was Vedral. Um, I, I saw. I, I noted that in a highlight, I think, a couple weeks ago that, that Vedral was, was holding. Armstrong did some of it, too. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, it's going to be completely new group over there, uh, which, I mean, it's not a bad thing. I mean, you, you, you go back to – how special teams issues can kind of bleed over into other areas too. I mean, I feel like, you know, with, with Nebraska's kicking situation being what it was last season, I I do believe that it affected play calling and the way that Nebraska's offense ran once it got on the other side of the field. I mean, I, I really think that, you know, Nebraska couldn't count on three points, even if they, you know, got to the opponent's 20 last year. I mean, that's just kind of how shaky they were. So I think that's... Another area that could potentially be improved by just frankly having somebody that can do their damn job. I mean that that's kind of where you're at um, <laughs> on special teams now. Is you know you don't want to hear you don't want to hear about those guys. You don't want to have to really rehash it and how they're doing and that kind of stuff. And that when that's happening, I mean that's a reflection of guys just going in and and, and doing what they're supposed to do.
0: Speaking of doing your damn job, Mario Verduzco did his with getting a quarterback commitment in Heinrich Harburg, Nebraska's third. If we count this punter, it would be the fourth commitment, though um, Daniel Cerny will count towards the 2020 class. Heinrich Harburg, Carney Catholic, we've talked about him on this podcast before. I talked about him for about 10 minutes on Saturday after his commitment, uh, in which I think I broke a record for how quickly I can speak. Um, solo podcasts aren't fun. I'm just going to throw that out there. Uh,
2: you should have called.
0: Well, it was Saturday night. Like I assumed you guys had plans <laughs> or, or something going on. Um, I didn't. And so I just did it. But let me uh, let me throw this at you. What What are your thoughts of Heinrich Harburg when he chose to commit? And then sort of the, if you read the stories, which I don't know if you did or not, but you read the stories, his thoughts on why he chose Nebraska, when he chose Nebraska, and who he wants to emulate. Brian?
1: Well, um, I think he was smart to jump in the boat when he did because um, there, there were other offers out there. And then there was with the one to Riley Leonard uh, down in Alabama. And then Riley Leonard, uh, we did an interview with him, and he wanted to make a decision pretty quickly, um, I think by June. So I think Harburg, you know, said, I, I know what I want to do. Um, he was probably going to get more offers. That was what was going to be interesting. I think after Nebraska offered, you're going to see more of the floodgates open and you're going to see them kind of stream in for him over the next few weeks. Uh, but that told you that he trusted the relationship with Scott Frost and Mario Verduzco. And I think it was important that although Nebraska did not offer him immediately, I think Harburg, and he said as much, always felt like they wanted him or they liked him a lot. You know, like I think I don't feel like he thought he was like a hey, we're in a desperate situation, here's an offer type of deal. I think that he really trusted uh, his conversations with Mario Verdusco and that his QB's coach thought a great deal of his potential and that made it easier for him to do
2: that. Yeah, I, I think I think Nebraska did a nice job of recruiting him before they offered I mean I think that's sometimes a delicate dance especially with an in-state kid for you know how do you continue to build a relationship being upfront with a kid but not extending that scholarship offer and I, I think that that and kind of the groundwork they've laid in the spring I think made it a, an easy decision for him um, you know once once that offer finally came and I I was a little surprised that he committed when he did I, I think that I was expecting to maybe wait and see kind of what happened in terms of other offers, but, you know, him talking about his relationship with Nebraska's other commits, you know, Teddy Perahaska, uh, Henry Lutowski, those guys, those guys, I think that helped too. I mean, I think they probably made him feel like he was already part of, uh, the commit group and he had visited right before they shut things down in the spring and was around those guys. So, um, uh, you know, credit to those guys for kind of helping out there too. But, uh, Schaefer, you can probably get into a little bit to the Justin Herbert stuff because that was kind of interesting and, and kind of how he views things.
0: Yeah, I kind of speaking to what you guys said, I, I've gotten the sense that even if Nebraska landed Peter Costelli, they would still have a spot potentially for Heinrich Harburg. I think they like him a lot. Uh, I think they really wanted to be able to see him throw, but ultimately they just went forward with gut instinct on it. They recruited him like he had an offer even before he had the offer. And he had visited, I think, four times from December through March. And so um, – or at least three times. And then certainly countless phone calls with Mario Verduzco, with Scott Frost, with, uh, with Lubick. I mean, it was – it was fairly evident that they liked him quite a bit. And he may not be the only quarterback in this class. I wouldn't necessarily rule out Nebraska or or think that Nebraska's interest is going to wane in somebody like Riley Leonard because we know that they want five quarterbacks. And we know they anticipate guys just are going to transfer and they want to try to keep the, the shelves stocked as much as possible. So I wouldn't entirely assume that Harburg will be the only quarterback in this class But he's definitely an intriguing one. And then to the Justin Herbert thing, and that's kind of been a a debate that we've seen on our message board a little bit, I don't think they're the same type of player. But I think they're the same type of recruit. I think it's a guy that Nebraska saw film of, they see the athleticism, they see the body profile, and they think there is something here that others aren't seeing. And that is exactly what happened with Scott Frost and, and Lubick in Oregon with Herbert. And then Herbert turned into being a, a top 10 NFL draft pick. And we can discuss the merits of whether he deserves to be that or not. But the point is, he's viewed very highly in the profession as being able to play the quarterback spot. And at the time of his recruitment, his other offers were Portland State, Montana State, and I don't know, like Eastern Washington, which are all fine. They're good FCS schools, but no other school had offered them. So I, I think what stands out to me is that Scott Frost has done this before, and and that was when they had Terry Wilson already committed and they were still searching for quarterbacks. I think they're always going to look for anything that gives them any sort of advantage, and they see a kid that is incredibly raw but has athletic traits that they think they can work with. Mario Verduzco, we know, has a very strong system that he wants his quarterbacks to be able to operate under and operate in. And they think that Heinrich Harburg can fit this. I don't know if he's going to be the number six pick in the NFL draft. I would bet against it. But at the same time, there is at least a precedent where Nebraska has, or people now at Nebraska have found guys like this and had success with them, or at least those players went on to have success. So I'm uh, I'm very curious with Harburg. I really like his athleticism. I know that his tape, you know, that leaves a little bit desired in terms of throwing, but I'm I'm just going to be really curious to see how this all sort of plays out because if worse comes to worse, I think you have a really athletic tight end on your hands and that's not the worst thing either.
1: Yeah, I thought your uh, Herbert story was really good because I thought it was, I could see where Harburg would hear that tale of his recruitment and get motivated by it. Not for the, all the reasons you mentioned, but also the in-state kid thing, you know, Herbert was an Oregon guy. Oregon at the time was a program that was uh, kind of middling a little bit. They had kind of went, you know, they had had their peak years and they had kind of stumbled around and he goes there and he kind of helps build them back up. And this last year, they made it in the top 10 and won a Rose bowl. And so if I'm a guy like Harburg, I see that story and I see, Oh, I'm about the same stature as this guy. Um, and also recruited kind of to the same level as this guy, and, and it would be very appealing. Um, but Harburg's numbers, like on the track, I think he would if they had actually had a spring track season, it would have been really fun to see what he would have done this this year. Because I think he was thinking about going like sub ten eight, I think, or something like that. And his numbers that he was talking about. Would have stacked up with anybody that we we're, we're, else we've been talking about as far as a QB prospect. So this guy doesn't take a back seat athletically to anybody in that in that respect. Especially for a guy that's size 17 uh, feet, it's amazing that he can move like that. Somebody you guys, you guys have seen the picture of him and Mario together, right? <laughs> Where it's like his his feet is like the size of Mario's lower body, basically. <laughs>
2: They, they look, the photo looks like it's been altered. Like, like they basically like stretched the bottom, like third of the photo. Yeah. And it's, yeah, (laughs) but it's, I don't know. I mean, the fact that it's an in-state kid, it's, it's kind of remarkable that Nebraska hasn't had a, an in-state quarterback commit stick since Mike McLaughlin in in 2001. Um, So I don't know. I mean, I, and I always go back to what Mario Verduzco told us right after they got to Nebraska was that, you know, they look for guys that can run first because they feel like they can do enough with the throwing motion to make that work. And like you guys said, I think there's plenty to, a a good place to start with Harburg with that athleticism that he probably doesn't get credit for as a six foot five guy with, you know, size 17, 18 feet.
0: Here's something else that I think is is sort of interesting and in the timing of all of it. Heard from several people that would have a pretty strong indication that this would be true, but had Harburg not committed on Saturday, he's likely holding an Iowa offer right now, which given everything going around with Nebraska and Iowa and Keegan Johnson and recruiting, would have certainly been a fascinating powder keg to see that all play out as well. So. You don't think of Heinrich Harburg as an Iowa type quarterback, but he was of interest to a lot of programs. And, uh, you know, I I think that he was starting to hear from some really big ones too, in a very, you know, introductory way. But it's good for Nebraska that this is probably shut down when it did. It, It might have played in Nebraska's favor a little bit that he wasn't able to work out in front of some of these other programs or have this track season that may have helped them. Cause I don't think his recruitment as much as he likes these coaches, I don't know if he was always going to end up at Nebraska, if he had all the other options under the sun, but with the way that it played out, Nebraska was going to be the one that he was likely to end up with. And I think they've got a guy that they can certainly work with and develop and who has the attitude that he wants to take his time to do this too. I mean, when you talk to him, you get the sense that he's not anticipating he's going to see the field for several years. And I think that's really good to have that attitude because he knows that there's a lot of development left before he's going to be able to kind of turn it loose. And so I think that's a big thing as well. All right, football wasn't the only thing that that picked up some good news this week. When we come back here on the Husker 24-7 podcast, We'll get into an addition for the basketball program and what that means. And are they done? Is this is this it? Are they are they finished adding players? We'll put Michael Brunce to the test. That and more on the Husker 24-7 podcast. And we are back. As mentioned, we're going to do a little bit of basketball talk here. Nebraska picked up a center. I believe, can we, are we allowed to say that they got a center? Is this a thing that Nebraska basketball recruits? I know that it's, it's uh, guards in basketball are like the old wide receivers in football. Nebraska's taking too many of them, and they're not focused on the, uh, the big boys. Michael Brunts, what can you tell us about Nebraska's newest addition?
2: Yeah, Eduardo Andre. A uh, bit of a surprise commitment. Uh, wasn't a guy that was really on – uh, the radar publicly with Nebraska, but uh, he committed this morning, uh, recording this on Tuesday six uh, foot ten, 220 pounder, uh, lefty, which is always a little intriguing uh, when you're talking about uh, a post player. Uh, he's at Compass Prep in Arizona. Uh, had spent his first three seasons in uh, in the Dallas area. He's originally from Angola, moved to England when he was four. And then came over to the states. Um, you know, once it was pretty clear that he was going to uh, have a have a future in basketball. He's only been, only been playing organized basketball since he was 15. So put all that together, and you essentially have a prospect who is very the ceilings high. He's a developmental guy that I'm sure Fred Hoiberg is is looking at his film, thinking, you know, he he can run the floor. He can shoot a little bit. He can protect the rim, but with the opportunity to develop him, put some weight on him, uh, he can be a pretty intriguing prospect. 24-7 Sports ranks him in 89 overall, which is just shy of four-star status. And some of the schools that were involved with him, Maryland, Texas A&M, Illinois. So it's not a situation where kind of out of the blue commit, who you know Nebraska beat out a few mid-majors for definitely a guy that uh, was coveted by a number of programs, especially at this point in the recruiting period where everybody's kind of trying to fill that last scholarship or two and add some more depth. And Nebraska, I think, did a a nice job here of convincing him that Fred Hoiberg with his NBA connections where he's coached before the type of players that he's done well with, uh, would would it also fit uh, what this kid does as well. So a little bit of a surprise to wake up to on Tuesday morning, but uh, Nebraska now full for their scholarship allotment.
1: I mean, I, I liked it on the surface because uh, he doesn't have to—he uh, doesn't have to be that guy right away. He can—he can take a year, and a couple years, and develop. Hopefully, by the second year, starting to see something out of him, or at least the potential in him. Um, everything I read about him and seen about him, he's a guy who can really run the floor for you and he can be a rim protector. And if you think about Nebraska basketball last year watching it, Nebraska's very good about getting to the rim uh, when they had the ball. They couldn't finish, and part of the reason is a lot of these teams in the Big Ten, they have these guys that are 6'10 or 6'11 at at the hoop who alter the shot, make you think twice about it, and uh, Nebraska really struggled with it, and yet they didn't have one of those of their own uh, to give people their own medicine on the other end, on the defensive side. So I think it's, it's nice if he can become that especially um, and, and give Nebraska more of a presence down there, especially on the defensive side of the ball. That's what I first thought about when I saw it, is how he could maybe help Nebraska around the rim on that end of the floor more than anything.
2: Well, and defensively too. you know, Nebraska is significantly longer on the perimeter this year than they were a year ago. They've got more size inside. I think you're going to see an improved Ivan in the post. I mean, he got better as the season went along, but he's you know still just an eighteen year old kid playing Big Ten basketball seventeen at the time for the first time. So I like this pickup for what you said. I mean, you have a year where you're not having to be the guy. You know, you've got guys like Derek Walker. Ah, uh, Latmae and those guys that come in and and give you a presence and a veteran presence in the post, where you know you're not having a Kevin Cross situation where a kid's having to really, you know, learn on the fly and and play guys or defend guys that are bigger than him. So, uh, you know, are they done? Uh, we'll see. I mean, that you still have guys entering the portal, but I mean, it's been pretty quiet for guys leaving Nebraska for the last few weeks, and. You know, I, I just think that uh, when you look at the way Nebraska's roster is right now, I, I think they've checked a lot of their needs um, to to pair with those guys coming off of redshirt years and the few guys coming back. So uh, I, I don't anticipate that you're going to see, you know, a ton more movement, but I just think that, uh, you know, even though this is another kind of rebuild, reshuffling of the chairs for this roster – I think this group is going to be a lot more talented than, uh, than what they had last year for sure.
0: All right. Any closing thoughts for you guys here on today's podcast? BC, Uh, actually before we go, um, you had a chance to talk with Randolph Kapai who has been committed to Nebraska since January through no fault of his own. Not a guy that gets talked about a lot or we write about a lot, despite the fact he's very highly rated. He's the highest rated of, Nebraska's seven commitments uh what what were your thoughts talking about or talking to Randolph Kapai and then his coach Chad Statham
1: I like I like his motivation level he's a guy who uh when he came into high school he was 140 pounds and played running back by his sophomore year he was like 170 and um he's only played 22 games at linebacker I forget that uh but that's what his coach will tell you is look, he's still raw at the position. No one is arguing that. But the stuff he can do is freakish in some of its athletic ability. And that's why he's he's as highly rated as he is. And the the story that stuck out to me was when the coach talked about Randolph as a sophomore, just starting out at linebacker. They line him up as like a blitzing, uh basically a stand-up defensive end on a play. And he's going against a guy who is six foot seven and going to Iowa state has a huge size advantage. And Randolph, basically, you guys remember Derek Thomas back in the day, he would get like so low to the ground where he's like parallel with it. It was amazing. He could even keep his balance to get by a big man. He said, basically, he did that got to the quarterback. It was incredible. And it was like, okay, this guy can do stuff that not a lot of guys can do. It's just a it's just a matter of can you get that consistently out of him. You know his frame is going to be great because he's 6'3", 195 already. He's done that kind of on his own. He's going to be a guy with Zach Duvall who's going to be really impressive. I think he might still grow an inch or two. He's got family members who are 6'5". So this this kid is going to have the length and uh, a lot of the traits that uh, every like college coach dreams of having, I think, is like a piece of clay that you just work with off the bat.
0: All right. Good stuff from Brian Christofferson. You can read that. You got stories up on Randolph Kapai up on the website. People can check that out. Uh Nebraska hosting a visitor today for a virtual tour. Martez Thrower wrote about him a little bit. I've got a lot more coming on Martez as well. And as always, Plenty of stuff on Husker 24-7 to get you
1: through your quarantine. We'll be back with another podcast on Thursday.